Have a look, please, with me, if you would, in the book of 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. Lord, we thank you. We love you. It's good to laugh and be joyful in the presence of the Lord. We thank you for this wonderful group of people. Now, Lord, we look to your word and we thank you in Jesus' name for revelation knowledge to flow like a mighty river and angels assist, divine assistance for divine words. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, first, uh, where, where did I say 2 Kings chapter 2, if you would be so kind? Uh, I, was, I had this other part on the blood, but the Lord kept prompting me to, to talk about something a little different. So let's, let's go with what the unction is there for. Amen? That's why we have an unction. And so uh, let's just start with verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, so they're starting their journey in Gilgal, and then they're going to this place called Bethel. And the Lord liveth, and as I so liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? So even these other ministers in training could pick up certain things in the spirit and they realized that he was going to get translated. He was going to get, he was going to go. Do you understand that? I want you to understand that's what they're saying. He's going to, he's going to be taken away from you. And they were picking that up, you know? So if they were picking that up, don't you think Elisha knew, the, knew what was about to happen? If they were picking it up, don't you think Elijah knew what was going to happen? No, he knew what was going to happen. Even these, even these sons of the prophets knew. And uh, verse three, and, and he said, yes, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And that word tarry here means just stay here, sit down and wait. And notice there wasn't a whole lot of encouragement from the spiritual father. Uh, and I'm not saying that, that, that people in authority shouldn't encourage, but I want you to notice that, that the primary job was not Elijah trying to keep Elisha close. The primary job was Elisha deciding to stay close. Do you understand? And this applies to all of us. Uh, it's not Pastor Nancy's job to baby me. It's not her job to check on my temperature and check how I'm feeling and could stroke me. No, because a lot of people think that's the pastor's job. If you don't understand the pastor's role and your role, you're going to be a church tramp. You're going to bounce around getting offended all the time. It's not the pastor. Now, the pastor does in the New Testament have a job to love you and strengthen you and encourage you, pray for you, visit you. All of those things are true. But there is a principle that it's not. Then this is where Christians have got off for centuries where they think the pastor is there to basically fall all over them and stroke them and love them. And, and, and then they, th they don't think they have any role or any part to play. Really, what we see in the word a lot of times is that uh, it, if you don't, you, Jesus wasn't really, if you look at it, if you study it closely, he wasn't trying to always get them to stay that close with him. He called them, but they had to move with him. And there was some persecution and there were some people that didn't like them, including the Jews and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And there were people that didn't like what Jesus was doing. And there were some problems there. But did you notice you don't really see Jesus having counseling sessions a lot of times you don't really see him begging and pleading the disciples, please, whatever you do, stay with me. In fact, when he preached a great sermon, 
which people misunderstood. And he said, you got to eat my body and drink my blood. He's not talking about cannibalism. He was, he was speaking prophetically that I'm going to die. And if you don't receive what I've done, you can't be born again. But it was in code. They didn't understand it. They got offended because they misunderstood and they left. What was his response to the disciples? You leaving too? He didn't say, oh, please don't go, please. I beg you, please. Notice that? He didn't beg. He just said, you're going to go too? Almost like if I kind of almost expect you to go because they all left. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying you can look through the Old and the New Testament. And of course, while the leader must be a, a parent and a, and a parent in the natural loves and protects, but there's also something that, you know, the kids have to kind of stay at home. You, you can't stop them from running away if they want to. Right? And so he's not the biggest encourager here. He doesn't have the ministry of encouragement, Elijah. He's not a Barnabas. He doesn't have the ministry of encouragement. Okay? He's kind of like, you know, just, just, just stay here. And then at the very beginning when he throws the coat on him, when he's plowing with the yoke of oxen, and, and, and he just walks off. And Elijah says, and he's, and he's, what do I have to do with you? Leave me alone. So right from the beginning, right to the end, the, 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 the thing with the oxen was at the very beginning of their relationship. This situation is at the very end of their relationship. And theologians say it lasted about seven years. So for seven years, Elisha is serving Elijah. And the Bible says that he poured water on his hands. He washed his clothes. He made his food. He set up his campsite. He was doing menial jobs. He wasn't prophesying and flowing in the anointing. He was there serving the one who was prophesying and flowing in the anointing. And he was observing when calling down fire and 50 guys get toasted. And then the next group come arrogant and he called. Elisha's watching all of that. Do you understand? And he's in learning. He's in training. And here he comes to the end where now there's a transfer of the baton, so to speak, where he's supposed to pick up what this man of God has. And, and, and he knows that something's going to happen. And even the other prophets know something's going to happen. And instead of encouraging him and saying, hey, you've done a great job, Elisha. You've stuck with me all these years. Now just stay close to me. He says, stay there. That's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how the, how the Elisha had to know. The Elisha had to know. The disciples had to know. That's why Peter said, where are we going to go? Who else has the words of life? They knew this is where I'm connected. Now on a broad scope, you've got to, I think this is pretty basic and obvious, but you've got to know that Jesus is the only way. That you're not flirting with Muhammad. And you're not flirting with Buddha and you're not flirting with this thing and that thing. I mean, from a broad perspective, we got to know that Jesus is it. No matter what happens, Jesus is it. But from the local, the more microcosm perspective, we've got to know where God has planted us in the body of Christ. The vineyard, the assignment, we are a puzzle piece. We're not that important, any one of us individually, but in the big picture, you you know, we were doing a puzzle the other night on New Year's, and if you miss one piece, that thing don't look too good. In fact, it's very annoying, right? You got to have all the pieces for it to work. So we're not, none of us, including me, are that important individually, but in the bigger picture with the kingdom of God, we all have a very important role to play. And when we're not there, there's a big hole in that living wall. That's the living stone is removed. Do you understand? Jerry, after all the years, 50, what? Now he's in this 52nd year, I think, of ministry or 53rd year. I think he is anyway, but, but cause we went to his 50th and 19, right? So that would be now, I guess, his 52nd. This would be his 53rd year. After all the things he's done in Kenya and and all the churches and everything that that man has done for the gospel, 
which, and the millions of miles he's traveled around the planet and the things he's built all over the world. When I was talking to him a little while ago, you know, and, and he, said, he said a statement to me and he said, he said, you know, you know, he said, Pastor Craig, he said, whatever small thing that I could do for the kingdom, and it is small. He said, I'm just grateful that God counted me faithful. Amen. For the whatever small role I have, thank God I had a role. Amen. And I thought to myself, here's a man that has done so much. And he still, you see, he still doesn't think I'm the big shot, I'm the big cheese, look at everything I've done, look at my plane, look at this, look at that, look at all the schools. He's got Bible schools all over the world and he still, he still understands the bigger picture. He still understands compared to the whole, I'm just a very small, tiny cog. But thank God I had a role. Praise God. I had a role. So anyway, keep reading with me. So he's not the biggest encourager here, but uh, it's amazing how Elisha had to know some stuff. Otherwise, he was not going to make it. Yeah. I have to know some stuff. My brother and sister, you have to know some stuff. Yeah. You have to know where God, you have to know. Right. You have to know. I don't know why the Lord keeps having me say this because it's not necessarily what I planned, but you have to know where God's planted you. Yeah. You have to know the doctrines that you believe. That's right. Because you will read that tithing is of the devil. If you don't, that's why it's dangerous to go searching on the internet because you'll open yourself up to false doctrine. And there's a lot of people that believe that it's completely demonic to tithe, but it's not because that's their, their minds are darkened. They don't understand the revelation of the word. There's a lot that, that don't believe in healing. There's a lot that hate brother Copeland. There's a lot that hate the move of the spirit. There's a lot of Rhema, I don't know how far I should go with this, but there's a lot of Rhema people that love that I actually have met personally that love Dad Hagen, but when Dad Hagen got to flowing in the Holy Ghost in the late 90s and early 2000s, they turned away and called him, you know, he's missing it. All that laughing and all that flow of the Holy Ghost, that's not God, that's demonic. And these are people that went to Rhema, ordained under him, loved him, worked with him, turned away from him because of the move of the Spirit. You've got to know where God's connected you. And you've got to know what you believe. You've got to know why you believe it. You've got to have it sure in your heart, these basic doctrines that we're teaching. Because in perilous times, the Bible says there will be doctrines of demons and seducing spirits trying to pull people's attention here, trying to say this is not right and that is not right. And, and then of course, other things that are not right, that are going to appear like they're right like lying signs and wonders, demonic things that have power. You got to know. You don't just got to know that you're called to Jesus. You got to know who you're called to in, in the picture of your life. Where is your assignment? Where is your, where is your vineyard? Where is your, where is your pastor? Who is your local? You got to know because in this day and age, it's dangerous out there. There's a lot of falsity. There's a lot. I'm not trying to preach gloom and doom and gloom. I'm not. I'm just trying to say there's a lot. And never in the history of humanity has any individual had more power than we do today with a simple little thing that's a few inches squared. We can pull out and every single bit of knowledge on the planet is available through the internet. You can sit there for eight hours and learn more than people could in a month in a library 50 years ago. It is at your fingertips. It is at your disposal. That is a good thing and a very dangerous thing because there's a lot out there that you shouldn't let your mind look at and let your eyes gaze upon and let your mind ponder. 
There's a lot of stuff. And I'm not talking about overtly demonic, evil, sinful things. I'm just talking even stuff that, that about church and about this and about doctrines. You got you to be very guarded in what you listen to and what you look at. That's why I am against conspiracy websites. I'm against them. And I'm not even saying that maybe there may be some truth, but if it is true, the Holy Ghost will show me. I don't need a conspiracy website to show me. Because all that stuff does is open a door. That's all it does. We are led by the spirit of truth, not the spirit of conspiracy. I'm serious. There's a lot out there. You've got to know. You've got to know where you're called, where you're, who your company is. Notice Paul, Peter didn't wonder. When the angel got him out, he went right to where his company was. He knew where he fit. There were other Christians around, but he had a company. He had a group. He had people that were his family, his spiritual supply, people that thought the same way. Praise God. Amen. It's good to know who we are. Elisha knew who he was. Praise God. And so it says here, where are we, honey? Verse 6. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And the two of them went on. And the 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. <laughs> and Elisha, Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. I wish I could have seen that, Jenny. And they were divided hither and thither so that they went over. The two went over on dry ground. Beautiful. And now they're in the plain of Jordan now. Do you understand? The Jordan River is in that plain. Yeah. And now they're over. They've, they've crested the eastern bank of Jordan. And on the map today, you, if you look at it, Jordan River divides Israel and Jordan. So once you crest that eastern bank, you're actually in the country of Jordan. Back today, back then, of course, there was no country of Jordan. It was all that area that, 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 Israel, that Israel owned. Okay, so you understand, can you picture where they are? All right? And so, uh, <clears throat> and it came to pass, verse 9, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I am taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Notice he said, if you see me. He didn't say if you believe in me. He didn't say if you like me. He didn't say if you, if you appreciate me. He said, you got to have your eyes on me. It's very important. That's why, the, that's why I just preached a sermon a couple weeks ago about, or not even, I don't know when it was, just recently about keeping our eyes on Jesus. Yes. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We've got to keep our eyes because if you look at people and all their shenanigans and you look at society and you look at this, you look at that, it'll discourage you. You've got to just keep saying, Lord Jesus, you're the only perfect one in this equation. You're the only constant one. You're like the true North Star. You never change. People may fail. Things may go wrong. But you are ultimately perfect. And I keep my eyes on you. But Paul also said, follow me. And you could, in the Greek, you could interpret that as look upon me as I look upon Christ. So it's not sacrilegious or wrong doctrinally to tell human beings to look at other human beings, but not in worship, but as from a leadership perspective. Do you understand? That's why it says, follow those in Hebrews 13. It says, follow those. Can, we, can, we, can you pause that and have a look there with me for a second? Hebrews chapter 13, can you do that? Without a scowl? Verse 7, Hebrews 13, 7, remember them which have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Okay? 
didn't say the person follow or their personality or charisma follow. It says follow their faith, considering the end of their conversation. So there, are, there, is, there is a hierarchy. There is those that have authority over us. The, the centurion said, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. God likes that hierarchy of authority because that's how God has ordered the universe. And Jesus said, you've got the greatest faith in the whole nation. So Jesus has no problem with hierarchy. Rebellion doesn't want to submit to authority. The devil is rebellious because he doesn't want to submit to authority. People in the local church that don't want to submit, that, that there's a problem innately in them because they don't realize that there's a rebellious spirit that's working in them because they can't submit to delegated authority. And God, everything with God in the order that he has is all about authority. Your authority won't work if you can't humble yourself under somebody else's. Do you understand? So that's why, it, you know, it said, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, he says here, look, look at those that have spoken the word of God to you. Follow them, not them as a worship thing, but look at their conversation, look at their faith, look at how they live. And if it's right and if it's scriptural and if it's working, you need somebody with skin on. Our ultimate chief shepherd is Jesus, but we don't see him every day. So there's people he gives us to follow. Elisha had Elijah. I'm not exactly sure where we're going with this, but I know it's of the spirit, so just flow with me, Amen. okay? Amen. Now, I have just, 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 for, just for fun, let's have a look down at verse 17. You can't read Hebrews 13 without reading verse 17 as well. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. Notice it says submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it, what? Giving an account with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for, not them, for you. Why could it be unprofitable for somebody that is, that the person watching for them is, 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 is saddened and grieved because of their rebellious behavior? How could that be unprofitable for the person? Because the anointing on the one watching for them can't work for them. Do you understand? The one that is watching for your soul, the one that you're submitting to has an anointing to help you. So if there's a, if the way you're behaving around the local church brings joy, to that individual, then that anointing works. If, that, if the way, if the rebellion and pride and mischief and all this stuff, it, it, starts to, it starts to cause a grief to that individual who's watching, that anointing in them to help you is blocked. And you don't get the same benefit. It's not profitable for you. So it's actually to your own profit that you flow, you flow with the person that God told you to follow. Do you understand? I didn't mean, didn't say obey unconditionally. You got to, you know, you know what I'm saying? You got to follow their conversation, but flow with them. Yeah. Work with them. Yeah. Don't make it hard. Amen. Don't always be the voice, the naysayer. Yeah. Okay. Second Kings, uh, back, where were we? Second Kings chapter two. What verse were we, Taylor? Okay. Number nine, thank you. And it came to pass when they were gone over, Elijah said, okay, did a, a double portion of your spirit. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing if you see me. Verse 11, and it came to pass that they went on still and talked and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. That horse and chariot of fire came right between them. That's not what all the picture books are wrong. He did not go up in a chariot of fire. He went up in a whirlwind, a tornado. Okay, but the chariot of fire was the distraction that parted. They're walking together. And that thing came right between them. And you ever, I've never seen, you've never seen a, a horse, a fire, and a chariot. Obviously, that is an amazing sight. And everything in him wants to put his eyes on this amazing sight. But what was the condition? Keep your eyes on me. 
Keep your eyes on me. If you don't keep your eyes on me, you don't get what God has for you. Did you notice that? Now, see, rebellious people can't, can't handle that, Greg, because uh, it, it makes them, it, it's hard for them to submit to that. Do you hear what, what, what the man of God said? Yeah. Elijah said, if you keep your eyes on me, then what God has for you will come, but you've got to watch me because that's called authority. And don't be distracted. So when I tell you as your pastor, stop watching conspiracy websites. Do you understand that I'm trying to help you? Because it is a fiery horse that is going to distract you and you will not finish your race with joy. You won't. Your mind will get messed up. Your thoughts will get messed up. You'll become afraid. And not just conspiracy, but false doctrine things. If they're preaching against what I preach, guess what? If you're spiritual, you click them off. Because if you don't click them off, you'll click me off. So you've got to find out where did God plant me? In the internet or at Promise of Life? Because if he planted me here, I better turn them off. I'm serious. We got we to talk because there's so much out there, Jenny, that is dangerous. It's dangerous to spiritual growth and health. It's so dangerous. There is a lot of things out there and people are curious. The worst thing you could be is curious. Well, I got to think for myself. All these excuses. Study your Bible. If what we're preaching is not true according to what you study in your Bible, you, you better just take a pause for a second because maybe you're not as smart as you thought you were. Because I've had people that are new Christians that think what we're teaching is wrong, but that's just because they don't have revelation in it. So just stay put long enough for the revelation to start coming into you about these different things and be careful what you look at because the distractions will pull you away from what God has for you. Whoever this is for, maybe for all of us, watch the distractions. If it's a distraction, uh, relationships can be a distraction. You know, you believe in God for a mate and then the mate comes, but the mate tries to pull you away. You know what that is? That's a fiery horse. The problem now is you married the fiery horse. Now you have covenant with the fiery horse. So now either you're going to have to get that horse to look at Elijah or that you're going you're to have a real hard battle ahead of you. I wish people could learn. Keep your eyes where they need to be. You know, there'd never be uh, cheating if the men would keep their eyes where it needs to be. One guy said to me years ago who had cheated on his wife, he said, I don't know, I just found myself in bed with her. I said, you're nothing but a liar. And that's not how it works. You, you're not just, I don't know, I have amnesia. I have no idea what happened. I just found myself in bed with her. It couldn't be my fault. I don't remember anything. No, no, no. It starts with the eyes. It progresses to a thought. It progresses to a plan. It progresses to deviancy. It progresses to a, a, an act. A, a touch, a, a, a word, a flirtation, a coffee, and then it grows. Don't tell me you found yourself in bed. It started with a look. It always starts with the eyes. Always. So watch what your eyes are looking at. Watch what your eyes are looking at. But pastor, I'm hopelessly addicted to pornography. Uh, well, that's because you let something in your eye gate. But you have, a, you have power over your eyes. You, no, no one is forcing you to look at that. You are choosing to look at that. Then demons can exasperate it, but don't blame the devil. Blame your flesh. Do you understand? These are all fiery horses that will rob you of what God has for you. So we got to keep our eyes very sharp. <laughs> 
And uh, it says here, and it came to pass that they still went on and talked, and behold, there appeared, and it parted between them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. Now, he's not saying he's looking at the chariot and the horsemen. He's taught, this is actually a term of honor for Elijah, if you study it. What he is basic, can I can actually read it? What verse is that, Reverend Greg? That's 2 Kings 2.12, right? I just want to read it from a couple other scriptures because at first it sounds like he's actually talking about, you know, the, the, the thing that he wasn't supposed to look at, but that's not, that's not what's happening here. So let me just look it up here. 2 Kings, is that what it is? 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 12, is that what we said? 2 Kings 2.12. I don't know which, I was reading a great translation. I don't know if this is not the one, I guess Amplified Classic isn't the one. The chariot of Israel and the horsemen, and he saw them no more. That's not the one. There's one, that, there's one that's excellent that really explains it. The, the New Living says, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. But there's another one that says, I'm trying to find it. There's another one that says that you are the charioteer of Israel. It's a, it's a term of honor for Elijah. He's saying you are basically the master champion of Israel because he was the greatest prophet of the land. You are the leader. You are the charioteer. You are the warrior of our land. That's what he's really saying if you studied in the original language. I'm just, and this one, the, the good news says Elijah saw it and cried out to Elijah, my father, my father, mighty defender of Israel. You are gone now. Mighty defender of Israel. If you look at the different translations, you'll see that he's not talking about the, his eyes aren't on the chariot. His eyes are on him. And in the message, it says, my father, my father, the chariot and the cavalry of Israel. But maybe the previous one I just read is probably the best because he says you are the, the defender, the mighty defender of Israel. So he's got his eyes on, on where he's supposed to be. And then what's the next verse? He says he rents his garment in two pieces because he knows that he's got to get rid of his way of doing things and his flesh because he has to make room for that new garment now, right? And he takes up, verse 13, also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and he went back and he stood by the bank of Jordan. Now this is what the Lord said to me is 17, 18, 19. It was Bethel where he spoke a lot and then Jericho where certain things started and then Jordan, where we were ending one season and entering into a new season. And he said, 2020 is the plain of Jordan, the mantle. You know that. Then he said, 2021, you're back. You're going backwards now, back retracing your steps, and you're back at the Jordan River, and there's going to be much revelation that opens, and there's going to be much obstacles because Jordan was an obstacle, and that has happened last year. It's nice to finally be able to say, Blair, last year, because I just wanted to get out of that year. I'm just looking forward to this year. I'm grateful for it, but it's time to move on. Now, this year, he, this year he said, uh, with every one of these stations, it's another year. And he said to me, now, 2022 is called your Jericho year. Because now watch what he did. You see here that uh, he's on the, by the bank of Jordan. He takes the mantle. He parts the waters. Did I read that yet? 14. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the God of Elijah? I expect this to work. And that's kind of what I've been saying last year. Lord, you've shown me all these things. I expect this now to work. This has to work. Otherwise, we're a bunch of fakers. 
And I really, there's a cry that has come out of me in 2021 of, Lord, this whole thing you're talking about the future, this has to come to pass. And I believe that God has started to open things up. And he started to show us what's going to happen, at least for this ministry. Whatever small role we have in the greater kingdom, I'm grateful we have a role. Praise God. And uh, where is the God of Elijah? When he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah does rest upon Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves on the ground before him. Hmm. And so there's some things that the Lord started dealing with me. And he said, now that you're coming into this Jericho year, 2022 is a Jericho year. So I'm going to call today's message, Hello Jericho. Because that's, that's what I heard up in my, come up in my spirit, honey, when I was praying in tongues after the worship. I heard those words, hello, Jericho. In other words, when you, when, when you come up to something that's brand new, hello. I, the, the, my name's Craig. What's your name? I, I, I'm here. We're, we're in a new season now. We're in another year and we're in another season of the spirit. It's not just a natural thing. There is a spiritual season that we're, we've progressed now into another phase, Jenny. We've progressed into another phase. And Jericho represents some things. And one, one of the things that God said to me is because he based it on scripture, but there's also other scriptures, not just this one, but he based it on this scripture here. And you see here that it says that these, these, these men in verse 15, they came and they bowed themselves down. Now we're not talking about worshiping a person. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But what the Lord said to me, he said, one of what's going to, what's going to start to happen. He didn't say it will complete. He said, it's going to start to happen in 2022 is just as more came to submit themselves under the authority of Elisha, the church is going to grow. He said, promise of life is going to start growing. And so he showed me something, Willie, that really blessed me because, because all of these stations, Bethel, Jericho and Jordan, 17, 18, 19. But then it's like, I saw that this plain, this whole plain season was 20 and 21 because the Jordan is in the middle of the plain. So he's on the plain going through the Jordan. Then he goes a bit more, gets the mantle, come back, goes through the Jordan, but it's all the plain. It's like 2020 and 2021. They kind of went together. And, and there, was a, there was something that happened in 2020 that was, that was great, and there was something that happened in 2021 that was great, but, it was, but it's all kind of, for I don't know how to explain it in English, but it all is like connected to the same kind of a, a season, okay? But I know that 2022 is going to be different because as he's out of the plane. Now he's entered the city. Now he's entered like, I don't know, how, how do you say it in English, Jenny? I, I could say it in tongues. Because I can see it in the spirit. I, I know exactly what God is trying to say. He's saying this season that you've gone through for the last two years has been over here. And a lot of it has been preparation to get the mantle and then getting the mantle and then the Jordan. But it's all still plain. This is all plain territory. P-L-A-I-N. The plain of Jordan. But now he has come to the first major post. The first major monument, for lack of a better word. He's come to the city. He's not in the plain anymore. And this thing is a big deal to him because this is really where his ministry, I mean, his ministry started when he got the mantle. So from that perspective, but this is really where there's an interaction with people before there wasn't, he was on his own. They were watching, but there's now an interaction as he enters Jericho. And so the Lord said one thing, and I want, I'm saying this so that you'll put your faith with me so that you'll start to call. 
Do you remember I, I told you on Sunday, the greatest asset that you have is your mouth, is the faith in your heart spoken out of your mouth and believe God and start to say things with me. Because what the Lord said to me, and I, anybody could just pull these things out and then try to apply it. But I didn't do that. God came to me and he showed me these scriptures. And he said, as it was with him, so shall it be with you. It wasn't me looking and go, mm, that's nice. I'll claim that. It's, and you can claim things, but that's not what happened here. Because that's dangerous to do. When you're talking about vision in the future, you can't just pick something obscurely and claim it. Really, it's, it's ridiculous. Like you'll hear somebody get a prophecy and then I'll hear people after say, well, I claim that. That's a bunch of nonsense. The prophecy wasn't for you. How can you claim something that wasn't for you? But if there's a general word for healing or for whatever, increase, you can claim that. But when God speaks about somebody and calls them out and then somebody else, well, I just claim that for myself. You can't claim that. Doesn't, you're a thief. God didn't give it to you. He gave it to them. So don't go around claiming things that aren't yours to claim. You can claim the Bible, but you can't claim personal prophecies over your brother or your sister. But Lord, you know they're not really worthy of it anyway, so I'll just claim it for myself. Now, this is weird Pentecostal nonsense. We've got to stay away from that. We rejoice with the brother who got the prophecy and pray that it would come to pass for them. Not try to rob them of it and take it for yourself. Are you with me? I can't just go to the Bible and say, well, I'm going to, I like that. I'm going to take that. You, that doesn't work that way. If, if that how it worked, it wouldn't come to pass because that's soul, that's flesh realm. God came to me and he said, look what happened in these stations. The same will happen with you. So I'm looking, I'm just observing. I'm not claiming it, so to speak, because I want it. I'm looking at what God already said in advance. This is what's going to happen. Now, if you agree with me, it'll happen. If you doubt me and if you question me, and if you say, oh, I don't know how that could happen, it won't happen. God tells us based on his perfect will. That doesn't automatically mean it comes to pass. How many things has God promised ministers and other people, his children in general? This is what I want. He's telling you his will. But unless that person receives it by faith, fights the good fight of faith, wages warfare with those prophecies. Why does it say wage war? Because there's a fight to stop that from coming to pass and lives clean and releases their faith and is led by the Spirit. If you don't have those elements, God can tell you till he's, I don't, sound, I don't want to say till he's blue in the face, but you understand why. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy won't come to pass. Because God is not, from that perspective, he is sovereign, but he's not from that perspective, I'm going to say something and poof, it's going to happen no matter what you do. That is not how it works. Now, for the book of Revelations, that is how it works. You can pray and fast all you want. The Antichrist is still coming. You can war a warfare that the trumpets won't be blown and the seals won't be opened. They're going to be blown and the seals are going to be opened. The tribulation is coming whether you like it or not. The rapture is coming whether you like it or not. Hopefully you like it. Those kind of biblical things you don't have control over. But when it comes to personal prophecy... There's no scripture about Greg's future, but there is scripture about the tribulation. That's going to happen whether I like it or not, whether I pray about it or not, it's going to happen. But about my personal life, God is simply telling Greg, this is what I want. This is my plan for you. This is the path I've assigned for you. But you've got a role if you're going to walk that out. 
So just because you get a prophecy, rejoice, but take it very soberly. That's why you have to write the prophecy out. That's why you have to read it. That's why you have to show honor for it. That's why you have to remind and wage a good warfare, Paul told Timothy, with the prophecy spoken over you. Because it's not going to look like it's going to happen. Then you have to say, no, God said it is. No, God said in this prophecy it will come to pass. And I command it to come to pass. And I'm going to obey God and it's going to come to pass. Are you with me? So God has said to me by prophetic utterance, what you see here with him is going to happen with you in your church. And one of the things was, as you see here in verse 15, there was an increase of people that were submitted to him came. And I said, well, Lord, at first I thought, Greg, he was talking about spiritual sons and ministers because this is technically prophets. So that is kind of the ministry thing. And the Lord said, I'm talking about both. I see, he had to clarify that because I wouldn't have known unless he clarified. He said, I'm talking about both. He said, more spiritual sons are coming, but what I'm primarily talking about is not spiritual sons. I'm talking about believers that are joining your church. When I say everybody is my spiritual son and daughter from that perspective, when I talk about spiritual sons, I'm talking about fivefold ministers that are going to go into the ministry and that submit to me like I submit as a son to Pastor Nancy. Do you understand the difference? So all are sons from one general perspective. But when I say spiritual sons, I'm talking about fivefold office calls that have come to submit to this ministry. So God said, I'm talking about that. Yes, there'll be an increase, but that's not what I'm primarily talking about. So don't just take the fact that it was about prophets, sons of prophets, and try to apply that. That's not what I see. That's why you need clarity. He said, what I'm talking about is there's growth coming to the church. So now, now I'm in 22. What do you start? If you want to help me with the vision, what do you start to say? Father, I thank you that there's growth coming to the church. We call in the growth. Lord, the people on the radio, let, if, 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 we don't know if they are, but if you've called them here, because God, if they're not called here, don't send them, Lord. Because all they're going to do is cause trouble. There's no worse thing than having a sheep that's in the wrong fold. Because they'll bite the other sheep. And they'll attack the ankles of the shepherd. Uh, they're, just, they're just a mess. We don't want people here because they think I'm a good preacher. We want people here because God has borne witness in their heart. This is home. That's the only ones we want. If you know it's home, you stay put. If you don't know it's home, please go find home. Because I don't want you here. <laughs> this is not a halfway house. This is not a shelter. This is a home. We need sons and daughters that are called to the home. We don't need a bunch of people that are called to a shelter. That's tramps. Those are church tramps. We don't want that. So don't just, please don't pray, oh God, send more people to the church. That's a bad prayer to pray. Say, Father, let the ones that are called, let the ones that this is their home, let the ones that are assigned to this vision, that are assigned to be under Pastor Craig's mantle, bring them, Father. Devil, I bind you. Take your hands off them. Angels, go cause them to come. Because God said that they would be increased. So we're going to agree with that, aren't we? And, and that, now listen, some of you might be at school or at work or, or at the neighborhood barbecue or, or, or at the gas station and the Holy Ghost just might, he might not, but he just might. So be aware. He just might prompt you and say, invite that person. But Lord, I've been, I've been praying that people will come, but I didn't pray that I'd, I'd bring them. I just prayed that they'd come. But he might prompt you and say, but, I have, but you have a role. Your praying is a role. Your calling is a role. But I want your voice now. So just be real kind and sweet. Now, he may not tell you to do that, but he might. So just be open to him because there are so many people. Remember Cole, when we were at the thing, getting a suit fitted for him? And, and the man, I mean, I wasn't in the mood to be there. I wasn't uh, ultra, I'm, I'm, I'm never mean, but I'm not, I wasn't in a jovial mood. 
I don't want to be in the store. I don't like stores. I, I have other things to do, but I have to be there because certain things you need done in person. And so I said, can you do this? Yes. I said, you sure? How long is it going to take? Like, I mean, I'm just being very direct. And so Cole, he says, well, let me take your son over there and, and we'll measure him. And I said, please be quick because I, I'm late for it. I need to get out of here. Just go as quick as you can, sir. I mean, I'm just very businesslike. I'm not, oh, the Lord's so good and he loves bluebirds and he loves you. I mean, I'm just, I'm business. So there's no indication whatsoever that he thinks I'm a Christian or anything because I'm acting like a businessman. And so Cole, Cole gets back there. I don't know why. See, I'm, I'm trying to help you if you listen to me. There's nothing I did to help this scenario. But he says to my son, is your, is your, is your dad, how do you say, is your dad a pastor? Is your dad a pastor? Why would he think that I'm a pastor when I said, please, would you hurry up? I have a meeting to go to and I don't want to be here to begin with. That is not pastoral language. I, was, I wasn't rude, I wasn't mean, but I was business because I'm rushing. Yeah. Why would you think that? Do you know why? Because the Holy Ghost was working on him. Right. Something in him picked up even though there was nothing that I did to aid the situation. So even when you don't aid, God can, God can still do things. And then Cole said, yes. <laughs> yes, he is. And so he come out and, he, and, he's, and I'm paying the $20, you know, for them to change it. The, the, the suit jacket, bring it thinner because he's nice and thin like, like his dad. So he wanted it to be nice and tr tr trim and everything. And so, and he says, oh, you, your son tells me that you're a pastor. I'm thinking, cool. So I raked him in the car. I said, why did you say that? He goes, he asked me, dad. Would you want me to lie? I said, no, I guess you told the right thing. I'm thinking, why did he ask? Because I'm not doing anything of evangelism or nothing. He says, so I hear you're, you're not telling me your past. I says, mm -hmm. and then you have to act different. Like <laughs> so I was like, yes, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And yes, I, well, where's your church? And I said, well, we're down in Mississauga. And then I'm trying to backtrack out of my business-like mode. Well, you know, I used to be an altar boy. I said, you were? I said, so you've been in the Catholic church. Oh, yes, I, and, I, and I love God. But, 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 but the Catholic, I don't learn anything. Kneel, sit, kneel, sit, kneel, sit. I, I, it's boring to me. I said, I said, but you're looking for something that's living, aren't you? He goes, yeah. I said, you need to come to Promise of Life because it's Jesus that you're looking for. I said, why don't you come tomorrow as our Christmas service? Well, I have to work tomorrow. I said, well, then go on this website and watch our service. And you'll hear about Jesus. See, Nothing I'm doing initially helped that. But see, God is already working on certain people in spite of you. <laughs> Despite you and your personality inflections. And then when you clue in, God's doing something, flow with him. So then I went back yesterday to pick up the suit jacket and there's three people in line and I'm like, oh God. Uh, thank God I have my mask on so they don't know what my facial expression is. And so I'm kind of, I'm pacing like this because I'm annoyed because it's taking forever. And the guy is counting his money like this. And I'm like, oh, just use your debit card for goodness sakes. Who uses cash? Hurry up. And he looks, I mean, there's three people in line and I'm wearing a mask on and I'm wearing a different coat than I wore before. And he said, Pastor Field. And I thought, oh, dear Jesus. And I said, Oh, hello, sir. How are you? He said, come up here in front of the line. I've got your thing for you. And he bumped me to the front and he shook my hand. He's not supposed to touch me, but he shook my hand. And, and I said, it's so nice to see you. I said, you know, I want to come back and talk to you about you. He goes, oh, just come back anytime you want. When there's no crowds, I'd like to talk to you. Oh. 
See, now there's an open door there. There's an open door for me. Maybe I'll just go buy a suit, even if I don't like the suit, just so that I have an in. Just so that I can have a chance to talk to him about his salvation, about his future. You see, that's what I'm saying. It might take months to develop something with a human being to the point where now, because of your involvement relationally, that they're ready to make a step into the church. But all of that effort is worth it. So we're not just trying to invite people for the sake of people, although if people want to come invite them, but we're trying to develop relationships with people that that aren't going to be our best friends or anything, but for the end result of their salvation. God said this is going to grow. But that could happen just by angels, but most times God uses people as well as angels. So be open I'm I'm trying to make it funny for you because I wasn't the most spiritual person. And it dawned on me, Kim, at one point, oh my God, God's trying to do something and I'm missing it. Let me go out of my busy, busy, busy mode and my rush, rush, rush mode and my snap to it, sir, mode into, let me look at your eyes. Let me connect with you for a minute. Let me ask you about you and your wife and you have children and who and are you okay? And what do you know about God? Because that's what he was looking for. And yet I was missing that God had set this thing up because I'm so busy. Do you understand? I think we can all take a lesson from that. He said, he said, it's going to grow. Can you just read with me a little bit more before we close? And they said unto him, behold, now. There be with thy servant 50 strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master, Elijah. Lest peradventure the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. So obviously they thought he was just going to be translated. They didn't realize he was going to heaven. And he said, you shall not send. Now pay attention. And when they had urged him until he was ashamed. And that word ashamed means confounded tired and disappointed so it's possible that people can urge the pastor to do something that he doesn't want to do it's on in his heart but they keep bugging him they keep bugging him they keep bugging him they keep bugging him until he's finally worn down don't do that don't do that he said send and they sent through therefore 50 men and they saw three days but of course found him not because Elisha already knew he was in heaven And when they came again to him, for they tarried at Jericho, he waited at Jericho, he said to them, did I not say unto you, go not? And the men of the city said to Elisha, behold, I pray thee. Okay, just pause for a second. So he told them, I told you, I didn't want to do that. And so the Lord said to me, he said, in this year, he said, there's going to be, he hasn't told me what, so I don't know what he's talking about. But he said, there's going to be certain things that happen. And he doesn't just mean in the congregation. It could be other ministers outside the congregation. It could be to do with our international works. I don't know. But he said there's going to be certain things where people are going to urge you to do things. But they are not of me. Do not do them. And even when they pressure you, Elisha finally just got tired and said, okay, go ahead. But he said, don't, don't do that. You stand your ground. You say no. You follow with what I put in your heart and not what anybody else's ideas are. Now, that has nothing really to do with you. I'm just saying, I'm giving you some, some things, some nuggets of what he said. He said, the church is going to grow. And he said, there's going to be some things that are going to try to distract you from what I'm trying to do. Hold your ground. So maybe that will apply to some of you too. Okay. Then the men of the city said to Elisha, behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord seeth. We got a nice city. But the water is not 
and the ground barren. In other words, it's got bitter water. And he said, bring me a new cruise, a new little bottle, and put salt therein. And they brought it unto him. And he went forth unto the spring of the waters. And, and right there in Jericho, I'll take you there if you come with me, because I was just there the last time. You can go right there to Jericho, and there's the place this, this, where the water comes out of the ground. That's the spring. Now, they built around it, like a, a, it's all marble, and it's very pretty. But back then, it would have just been dirt. But that same place is still there today. And, and that's where he threw it in. And they've got a monument, say, to the man of God, Elisha, who cured the waters. And even today, they are sweet. It's right there today. You can go see it. It's wonderful. And so he said, cast the salt in there. And he said, thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. Now, can I, there was this one little, and I'm cluing up. This one little story has two elements to it. Because the Lord said there's four main things that are going to happen. Three really for the congregational perspective. But the fourth is what I just said. There's going to be things that are urging you to do. And I don't want you to do it. So when I prompt you not to, don't listen to the voices. But the one thing, the main thing is that's going to grow. Then there's this distraction thing. It's kind of like a side issue. Then, then this, this story, there's two things. He said, one, did you notice that this was, a, this was the working of miracles? Right? To throw salt in bitter water and make them sweet is a miracle. Salt doesn't do that to water. So the Lord said to me, I've told you in the Jordan year, the 2021 year, that there's an anointing for miracles and to pray for miracles. Remember we talked about that we have to pray it out. We know this last day, I was going to have a lot of miracles. But he said to me, even in this year, even in 2022, the very beginning, the very beginnings of this journey, you're going to start to see more supernatural signs and wonders that happen. So that is the face value, obvious interpretation of the story about the water. Because it wasn't working in miracles. He said there's going to be more supernatural things start to happen in our ministry this year. So start to call for that. Start to agree with that. Start to expect it to happen. If you've got somebody that you know has some kind of uh, uh, disease, condition, malady, that is, that is the, they, they have given up hope, bring them to church. Bring them on purpose and say, Father, heal the waters. Heal this poor. Heal this child. Heal this person. Let's believe God. I can't make it happen, but he said there'll be the start of that. That's because it's going to build and build, Joe. And when we get into these Jerusalem last day, great revival years, it's going to be like an explosion. But it's going to build in its intensity and it's starting. Notice he didn't say much about that last year. He said a little bit because he had to part the waters. That was a miracle. But he said to me, now this is going to start to happen in 2022 because you're in a new season. But this little story here about the water has another element, element which I would not have known. I would not have seen it because it's not clear. It's not face value. It doesn't jump off the page to you. It's like a hidden thing that God has to reveal by revelation knowledge. But he showed me something which I've never heard anybody preach. This is brand new. Uh, not to you. I've said it before, but it was brand new to me. And he revealed that supernaturally because I wouldn't have known it. It's not at face value. And he said to me, did you notice that when Elijah came through the same city on the way to go on the whirlwind, the waters were also bitter. And Elijah was the man of God. And Elijah was the miracle man. And Elijah was the one that everybody looked to for miracles. But did you notice that either they didn't ask him or if they did, he didn't perform the miracle because Elijah came through, but the waters remained bitter. Are you with me? 
And I'm sure that the associate, which is Elisha, would have looked at Elijah and said, well, if anybody can do this, it's you. You've got the anointing. But for whatever reason, that didn't happen. And I'm wondering if maybe Elijah, this is what the Lord told me, when Elisha came back there and they said to him, the waters are bitter. I wonder if there may have been a thought, why didn't Elijah fix this? He, why did he come through here and not fix this? This should have been Elijah's job as the great man of God to fix this. But now I'm here, little old me, and now they're asking me to do it. You, can, can you see? Because that's how the Lord said it to me. And this is what he said to me. And I've said this before, but I'm repeating it because it's important we say it in this year. He said, assignments that Elisha may have thought belonged to the Father. Because we always look to those above us as the only ones that can do anything. Assignments that Elisha thought may have been. The Bible doesn't say that he thought it belonged, but that's how the Lord said it to me. Assignments that Elisha thought may have belonged to his father, he realized were his assignments. Because God didn't use his father to fix the water, God used him. And there's no indication that people even asked the father. Or that Elijah even offered when he was there. It's not even recorded. So we don't know what happened. Maybe they did ask and he said no. We don't know. But all I know is that he was the miracle man, not Elisha. If anybody was going to do this miracle, it should have been the man of God, Elijah. But for whatever reason, God didn't use the father to do that thing. He used the son. And the Lord said to me, are you listening? He said there are certain, now he said this back even in the year 2020, he said this before we even hit 21. He said, now in 2022, there are going to be assignments that you have thought belong to your fathers, but they, you will realize that they are yours and they will begin. So I have no idea what on earth he's talking about. But then I realized one of them was the aviation thing because I thought that was more of a Dr. Dufresne thing. And then he said he won, but that's not the main one. That's just a kind of an, an, an extra bonus. You know what he's talking about? Are you listening? Yes. Do you know what God's talking about when he said to me in 2020, assignments that you thought belonged to your fathers? Now, did you notice he said fathers? He did not say father. Yes. If he said father, it would only refer to Dr. Dufresne. But he said, fathers. Notice that Paul said to Timothy, you have many teachers, but few fathers. You can have more than one father, but you just don't have many of them. We have Jerry and Dr. Dufresne, yes, but we have also Pastor Nancy, Jerry and and Greer. There's, there's, There's three of them. There's plural. Are you with me? But when he said, Joe, there are assignments that you thought belonged to your father's that you will realize belong to you and you will start them. 2022 is a starting year because Jericho was the first year, the first place of conquest. When they came into the land, they hit Jericho first. Everything with Jericho represents the first. So he said, it's a beginning year. What you thought was your father's, or are you going to, and you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the Philippines. He's talking about the Philippines. Because in April, in March of this year, when he spoke to me and he said, now, I'm, I'm only comfortable now. It's been nine months. I haven't really shared too much about it. But now as we're in this year, more will start to come out because I have permission to share more. But what he said to me was, do you remember the conversation that you had at the table in South Korea? And to make a very long story short and without saying too much, which would be inappropriate, but there was a minister there that is connected to Dr. Sumrall's ministry. And, and I thought, that that minister had the same spirit and flow of Dr. Sumrall, which is faith and power and casting out devils and what we believe, what Dr. Dufresne taught me. Right. 
And I'm sitting with this minister, the largest, he is the largest church in, in the Philippines. And the man with the largest church in Ghana is his close friend. He was sitting beside him with his wife. And I mean, all these board of directors of Young Cho's ministry that I got a chance to meet because of Richard Roberts, because he's on the board. They all have the largest churches on the planet. None of them have less than 30,000 people. So one guy has 1.3 million people in India. And I, met, and I met him. I mean, these are men of astonishing titanship, for lack of a better word, in terms of what they've accomplished for the gospel. And as I'm listening to this wonderful man who I have great respect for in the Philippines, who's connected to Dr. Sumrall's work, and I thought that there was that same flow that Dad Sumrall had, and I'm realizing in the conversation, it ain't there. It has become a seeker-sensitive, leadership-based large, but not a flow of the spirit and not a flow of faith and not a flow of power like Dr. Sumrall had. It's kind of more of appeasing. And that's why one of the reasons you get big very quickly is because you can appease to people and then they want to come. Now, I'm not, I'm not knocking, but as I'm sitting there beside him and Jenny's, you know, beside Richard, Jenny and then Richard and as I'm sitting talking and I'm realizing I felt more and more hurt and more and more agitated and more and more grieved and a cry came out of my spirit a cry I don't know how to express it to you but I couldn't say it audibly because I mean I'm sitting beside all these great men I'm nobody I said be quiet but a cry came out of my heart I mean a cry Willie I even remember at one point I put my head down because my heart was so broken I don't know why it was so broken but it was so broken because I saw this is not what Dr. Sumrall started it isn't and a cry came out of my spirit and I said in my heart and I didn't verbalize it and I said oh God Dr. Sumrall deserves better and the people of that nation deserve better and you deserve better. He didn't pay the price he paid for 10 years in that nation for it to go that direction when that's not his spiritual DNA. But people that will take it different ways. That's just human nature, right? God didn't say anything to me. I didn't even think God heard me. It was more rhetorical. I just, that kind of went out and I, 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 I tried to tread water and get through the conversation as politely as I could. I didn't enjoy the trip. We didn't really learn that much. You know, it just, it was nice, but I didn't really know why I was there because I didn't really get what I thought I was going to get. And then, of course, in March of this year, the Lord said to me, the reason why I took you on that trip with Richard Roberts, you kept saying you didn't get anything. He said, but the reason I sent you there was for that one conversation at the table. All of that trip was for one conversation. God take you across the entire planet for, for seven days for one 25, 30 minute conversation. That's how, that's how God thinks. He doesn't think like you with it. It's not worth it and all the money. He doesn't think like a way. And he said to me in March of this year, he said, I heard your words. I didn't even know what he was talking about at first. I said, Lord, what words? He said, I heard the words that came out of the cry of your spirit at that table in South Korea. And he said, I am offering to you and I've told Pastor Nancy this and I've told other ministers this just to make sure that they're in agreement before I say things publicly. And they are. But he said to me, I am offering you a measure. Key, key word is measure. I'm not calling myself Dr. Sumrall. He said, I'm offering you a measure of Dr. Sumrall's anointing for the nation of the Philippines. He didn't say what that measure was or how much, or how small, or how great, or how not great. He just said, I'm offering you a measure of his anointing for that nation. If you will receive it, 
the same spirit that was on him that was on Dr. Dufresne, because natural sons don't always take things the way spiritual sons do. But the same spirit that was on him came on Dr. Dufresne. The same spirit that was on Dr. Dufresne came on you. That means that same spirit that's on some role is on you. He said, I'm offering it to you. If you will receive this offer, you will go in a measure of that anointing and you will continue what he started in that nation. And that's what he said to me. He said, that's what I was talking about. This is in March of 21. He said, that's what I was talking about last year when I said in 2022, you will realize that assignments you thought belonged to your fathers, Dr. Sumrall, are actually yours. I'm telling you, my brother and sister, this is a very big thing. This is a very big thing. And since he said that to me, I can't express to you the, there is such a, it's supernatural. It's not, I've never thought of the Philippines, not one time in my life. In fact, I'm sure I've thought about the moon more than I've thought about the Philippines. But since he said that to me, brother, he, it's like he put a ball, I don't know how to say it, is he put something inside me. And every day it's been growing and growing. There's not a day that goes by where I don't, I don't pray and I don't usually, I usually cry. There's not a day that goes by where the Philippines doesn't get bigger in my heart, but it's not because of a fleshly mental, I feel, listen, there's people dying all over the world. There's people poor all over the world. What's the difference with the Philippines and Indonesia? They're all the kind of the same looking people, acting people, the same devils are there, the same, the same, you know, political unrest is there. There's no difference between one nation to the other. They all need God. But when God puts something inside you, it's no longer the same as everything else. It's a divine assignment from God. I'm telling you. Woo, I'm telling you. And we are going to see a revival in the Philippines. I believe we're going to see a big revival here, but I'm telling you there was an assignment that Dr. Sumro started, but he did not finish. And he took me all the way across the world so that I would hear those words, that I would cry out of my heart so he could hear the cry. Did you notice he couldn't give it to me if I didn't cry, but he orchestrated it so that I'd cry. He planned it so that I would hear, that I would cry, and he could say, here. And now the time is upon us, my brothers and sisters, 2022, the year of Jericho has begun. And that assignment is starting. Praise God. Can I say one more thing before we go? And I really do mean one more thing. He said to me, 2020, he said, you don't go to Philippines until 22, because that's the starting of Jericho. He said, now 22, you're going to go and investigate. Take the team with you, pray. The, the Ramoses are going for the first time in 30 years. They're going for the first time. He has not set foot on the nation in 30 years. He's going to pray and preach with me. He's so beyond excited. He comes out of his skin every time he thinks about it. Pastor Ramos. But he said, that's just a scouting trip. And he said, 23 is a, a level two of the scouting trip. But he said to me, the couples, the Henrys and the Popes are not permitted to relocate to that nation until 2024. He said, 2024 is the year assigned for the relocation. And I said, Lord, why? Why is that such an important year? He said, well, two reasons. One, I told you in the, in the, in the vineyard timeline, there's, there's five years and the first three are death years. And the fourth year is a pouring of out. It's the tithe year. And the fifth year you eat of the fruit of the tree. He said, 21, 22, 23, those are death years where you're, where you're crucifying and you're praying and you're birthing. But he said, 24 is a pouring out. It's laying your life on the altar and pouring yourself out. And he said, when they relocate, they are giving up things to pour themselves out. 
And he said in 25, the thing's going to start to grow. That's where you eat the fruit of the land. And then I said, is that the only reason? Because that's good enough for me. And he said, no, there's another reason. Now, this, the, 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 I didn't do this. God said this to me. I wouldn't have thought of this. He said, find out when Dr. Sumrall went. And I looked back, and Dr. Sumrall relocated from South Bend to Manila in 1954. And God said, it has been 70 years, and the time is complete for the next seed, the spiritual seed of him to relocate to that nation. And then he said, you want to know something else? And I said, yes. He said, because I was preaching, I was standing right here and I was talking about David and Goliath and Goliath was saying for 40 days and I heard the Holy Ghost. In fact, some of you may remember, I paused for a second because I heard a voice and God said to me, it's been 40 years, which represents a generation. It's been 40 years of the other flow in the Philippines and it's time for the Dr. Sumrall flow. And I look back, I look back and that other wonderful ministry, I'm not speaking against, but it's just a different flow. That ministry started their work in 1980. And God said to me, 40 years to the mantle. The mantle is the uh, empowerment to do this apostolic work. He said, from the time they started and to the time I've anointed you to go has been 40 years. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. He said, it's time. It's time to go back. The, the flow that Dr. Sumro bled for is going to come back to that nation. And who are we? Little, little tiny puzzle pieces. But we have a part to play. And remember, God is not against that ministry. God loves that ministry. Because if you look at the Corinthians, it says that there's, there's operations belong to the Father, administrations belong to Jesus, and manifestations belong to the Holy Ghost. Operations, if you study in the Greek language, it means flows. The flows belong to the Father. Do you realize that there's different flows in the body of Christ? And just because some people are different to us doesn't mean that, they're, that God's against them. The Baptists don't believe in healing. That is a lower flow because Jesus paid for healing. But God loves them and he, still, he, he's, he wants them to grow up into the higher flows, but God is still over that flow. We've got to understand otherwise we'll start thinking we're bigger and better than we really are. And when God dealt with me about this Philippines thing, he said, that church that's there that came out of Sumro but has gone a different direction, he said, I'm still the God of the flows. I understand their flow. And if you look, son, I've blessed them. You don't get 30,000 people without being blessed. He said, I've, so don't ever speak against them. In fact, do something to bless them. Do something to help them. Don't, I'm not against that flow. But he said, you cried to me about the Sumro flow. They cried to me about another flow. I've given them that flow, but I'm giving you the Sumrall flow. So don't, we're just because we have a different flow doesn't mean we're enemies. We love and honor that flow, but that's not my flow. I'm the Dr. Sumrall flow. And I, so that's the flow that God assigned to me. So can you see how we're not against anybody? We're just, we're just different players on the same team. One guy's good at bunting. One guy's good at getting to first base. One guy's a home run hitter. But they're different people on the same team. There's different flows. That church is a flow and we have a flow. And we're going to do our flow and they're going to do this. And if we can bless them, we will. And I'll never speak against them. And just because I was grieved, I'm not grieved because he's winning souls. I'm not grieved at that. I'm just grieved because Dr. Sumro, I know, would not be happy with what he paid the price for. But we're going to get back to that place. Oh, my God. Woo! 
we're going to see it. Oh, there's so much. I, I have about 40 journal entries that he's given me words of prophecy about the Philippines this 21 year. I've shared maybe one or two with the congregation. There's a lot more to share. I just can't get to it tonight. But it's an exciting. So what is 22? He said, it's your Jericho year. Hello, Jericho, we're here. He said, now that's going to start to grow. Number two, there's going to be more miracle signs and wonders. Number three, what started with your father, you thought was your father's, you're going to realize they're yours and it's going to start. Mainly the Philippines, but of course there's other works too. And then number four, don't let people talk you into what I'd tell you not to do. Because they'll try. And I don't know what he's talking about, but we're going to guard against that. Other ministers, people in other countries trying to pull me to come over there or to do this or to do that or start a work here or let's do an orphanage over there. Lots of good things to do, but we can only do what God tells us to do. We got, we, we're not going to delay the plan of God because of good works. We have to be led by the Spirit. So those are the four elements. I know I, I took a long time today, but I talked to you from my heart. I hope you receive that and I hope you use your mouth and call with me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I bless you. I thank you. I honor and I glorify you. Thank you for the Jericho year. Thank you for 2022. We enter it with great joy and anticipation. We declare that it will grow. Lord, you're drawing the right ones to come. We declare that signs, wonders, miracles, healings, acts of the supernatural will increase. We're declaring that assignments even that belong to the fathers that are now given to me, that Lord, they will begin and they will start in Jesus' name. Not just the Philippines, but Africa, Dominica, and all the other places, that you, including Halliburton. That Lord, they will all start this year. There'll be a starting place in Jesus' name. If not in the natural, then at least in the spiritual. And Father, we thank you that we will be led by the Spirit and not bullied or buffeted or influenced by other people's good ideas. That Lord, you'll help me to listen to what you say and only what you say. Lord, we'll call these four things out. We'll call them forth. We'll not give you rest like Isaiah 62 says. Day and night, we will remind you of your word. We will wage a good warfare with these prophecies because you said this is what you want to happen, but we've got to pray it out and act it out and live right so that they can manifest for us. So we thank you the congregation gets behind it. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and I thank you. And everybody said, amen.